Welcome back, everybody. You listen to Faith FM. We have come to our encounter with God section. We are coming to you all the way from Ethiopia, and we are looking at the book of Revelation, which we have been teaching night by night, uh, which has just been an amazing experience. We have now come to, I was going to say Revelation 16. No, we are in Revelation Revelation chapter 15. And we were just talking about mosquitoes because Mon seems to have mosquitoes in her room every night, but that's because she sleeps with the door wide open. So Mon, wide open is a good get. If I could take out the other pane of glass, I'd take them both out. Mon, why do you sleep? Why, why do you love mosquitoes so much? It's not that I love mosquitoes. I just love fresh air. I had to go out and buy a mosquito net um, to protect myself from the mosquitoes so I could sleep with the door open because there's no windows in this room. There's also no ventilation. There's no air conditioning, and I'm on the top floor. Uh, and so all. And it's the, not a very big room. And it's not a very big room. So actually, like in a, in a, like in a, within minutes, it gets so stuffy. You feel like you're asphyxiating, um, and there's no way to get air in. And so I have to sleep with the door open. And the first three nights before I could finally get my hands on a mosquito net. I think that's what uh, tipped me over the edge with my sickness was because it's just stuffy and it just clogs on my nose. As you can hear, my nose is still clogged from that. Um, but yeah, so then I finally managed to get a mosquito net, which cost me an arm and a yeah, leg. Yeah, and now I get to sleep with the door open and so things are getting better. I'd be taking that thing back to Australia and gold plating it for the money you paid for that. Yeah. Man, why don't you just go and sleep in the lobby? There's like these circular couches down there. I know. They're super They're super comfy, those couches, but the problem is they, don't, they, they leave the door open. The door is wide and open. So mosquitoes all, are everywhere in that foyer ah, in the okay. evening. Classic. So you've seen mosquitoes down there in the Just evening. Take your mosquito. I've been, I've been bitten by mosquitoes in the foyer in the evening. How many times have you been bitten by mosquitoes in I've Africa? I've lost count. I've hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times by now. I'm just a mosquito. I'm a snack to them. I'm just delicious. I'm, I'm on the menu. I'm main You're course. I am main course and dessert. <laughs> I'm the hors d'oeuvre too. <laughs> uh, Mon, you're taking it all for the rest of us, and praise God that you have not yet caught malaria. Please keep praying for Mon. Okay, so we are in Revelation chapter 15. And Lawson, if you could read for us verse 1. Yes, the Bible says in Revelation 15 verse 1, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Okay, so what we're going to find here is another section in parentheses. This is not uncommon in the book of Revelation. Um, Just to give some examples, the whole of chapter 7 is a section in parentheses. So, you know, chapter uh, 6 ends with the question, who, who will be able to stand? And chapter 7 then, in parentheses, answers that question. And when you go to Revelation chapter 12, you come to uh, you know, the, 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 the prophecy of the woman in white. And that prophecy works all the way down through to the point where she, the church, flees into the wilderness for three and a half years. And then it stops, and there's a section in parentheses that goes back and explains, you know, why is it that the woman is being persecuted? Who is this dragon? And it tells us that the dragon is Satan. It talks about the war in heaven. And then you come down to about verse 14, thereabouts, and it picks the story back up again and continues on and takes you right through to the very end of the story of the woman in white. So this is this is uh, something that you often find in the book of Revelation. In fact, in Revelation chapter 20, you find one where there is a section in parentheses that is like half a verse long. Yeah. Um, and because of that, a lot of modern translations <coughs> actually place it in parentheses. Mm-hmm. 
And so you've got this section here that's in parentheses. It begins by, uh, here in verse 1, it begins by talking about the seven angels which have the seven last plagues. Now, those are going to be a most interesting subject for us to discuss, uh, particularly as we look at why does God pour out the seven last plagues? What is God's, how, does the, how do the seven last plagues reveal a God of love? What's your thoughts on that one, Lawson? Look, this is yeah. okay. Okay, this is what I think. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. Because and everything reveals that God is love, right? Yes. Everything in the Bible. Okay. God so here God's out. just going to pour up, and, and you're going to find that these plagues they come after the close of probation. So nobody can be saved when the plagues pour it out. No one can be saved. They're all lost. So you could almost say, "What's the point?" Yeah, that's the exactly. That's the massive question that comes with the seven last plagues. What's the point of the seven last plagues? What's the point? Is God just like you know what? Uh, salvation is over. Probation has closed. Let me get some revenge. Let me get some revenge. I'm gonna I'm gonna torture these people for a little while before I come back. You know, because when I come back, okay, they're all gonna be die. They're gonna be killed by the brightness of my coming. So let, how how can I just sort of um, keep them alive a little bit longer? Twist the knife in the wound and uh, give them a terribly hard time. Is that what is happening here with the seven last plagues? I think what God is doing, and I'm, mm. I'm about to get roasted for this. Yeah, no, no, no. But I Let's think roast I, Lawson. I think what God is doing is he. He's, he's showing the universe that no matter what these people go through, they're never going to come back. Mm, interesting thought. I think it's the same thought. thing like with, remember with Pharaoh mm-hmm. in in the time of Moses, mm-hmm. how it, God just oh, kept, There's a difference with Pharaoh though, because yeah, his probation is, did not close until probation the Probation didn't close, but it still mm. showed the same thing, that ultimately mm. with Pharaoh, no matter what I do, he's not going to give up my people and he's not going to repent. And I believe it's, I believe it's... But why would, why would somebody repent just because God does bad things? I mean, do we have any examples in the Bible where God has punished someone and they've, they've, and they've repented because of it? Well, it's not necessarily... Never? Ooh. Ooh. It's not necessarily punishment, but I just think about like, you know, when, when bad things have happened to people and they've still... Clang the gold. I'm, I'm giving Lawson faith. a hard time here this morning. Like, I'm, like I'm, I'm, the I'm, book of Job. Lawson's, Lawson's really struggling here at the moment because he's, um, he's, he's exhausted. So I'm like, yes, I'm going to give him a hard time. He's actually <laughs> doing really well. I like your answers there, now Lawson. He's playing and, uh, you know, um, you think of Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. You know, was, was God light on Nebuchadnezzar? <laughs> no. God was brutal on Nebuchadnezzar. Seven years of insanity. Um, anyway, so that's going to be coming up. Um, do stay tuned because probably tomorrow we will have, uh, we'll get started on the seven last plagues and we are going to look at how the seven last plagues reveal a God of love and why it is that God is pouring out these seven last plagues. However, before we do get there, we have this little section in parentheses and it starts in verse two. So I want you to notice the language that the Bible gives here. So it begins in verse one with, I saw another sign in heaven. Mm-hmm. Then you go to um, verse 2, which says, And I saw there was a sea of glass. So you've got two I saw. So he's seeing two different pictures right here. That's important for us to, 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 to recognize. So he sees one picture. Then his attention is, is distracted, and he sees another picture. And then when you come down to um, verse 5, he goes back to it. It says, And after that, I looked. In other words, he's now looked back to the original picture. So you've got so you've got John. He's looking over to his left, so to speak. Then he's distracted by something else. He looks to his right, which is this little section in parentheses, and then he looks back to his left. 
and sees the original picture. And Lawson is uh, talking under his breath here and, and, and giving me a hard time for something that I have no idea what <laughs> he's talking about. Do I need about. to make you two boys stand outside? <laughs> Do I need to write your names on the board? <laughs> no. no. You got some boxing gloves handy there, Mon? <laughs> oh, come let's, on. Let's, let, let, let's take this out on the street, Lawson. <laughs> take it to the car park. <laughs> take it to the car park. Yeah, we can hug it out there. All right, so um, (laughs) let's go to uh, chapter 15 and verse 2. Mon, have you got for us verse 2? And they saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. Okay, so here you've got the 144,000, and we know that they are the 144,000 because uh, the Bible says that they are standing on the sea of glass Mm -hmm. in front of the throne, and they are singing a song. And the Bible tells us, you go back to Revelation chapter 14, um, you have the 144,000 standing on the sea of glass in front of the throne and singing a song. Mm. Uh, the Bible tells us that the 144,000 are those that have gotten the victory over the, over the beast, over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name. Has anybody in the world yet gained the victory over the mark of the beast? No. Why not? Because it hasn't been enforced yet. Absolutely. It doesn't exist yet. All right, so the mark of the beast has not been enforced, and so we know that this group of people is the last group of people who are alive here on this planet just before Jesus comes back. Now, it's very important that God highlights this particular group of people at this particular point before he talks about the plagues. Why is, why, why is it important that he highlights this group of people at this time? I think it's maybe because there's an, <laughs> that everyone has the ability to escape the plagues, essentially. Like okay. everyone has the ability yes. to be a part of the 144,000. So if God didn't talk about them, we could be under the uh, false assumption that everybody's going to get smashed by the plagues. Yeah. You know, because if you go over to uh, chapter 16 when it's talking about the plagues, you're going to find that there are those who go through it and we need to know that some survive it. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And so in chapter 16 and verse 2, the Bible says, you know, that the first angel with the plague went out and poured out his vial on the earth, and there fell a noisome, I love that word in old Noisome. A noisome and grievous sore on the men which had the mark of the beast and upon those which worshipped his image. And so what God is doing here, God is drawing a contrast between two groups of people that are alive here on this earth at the very end of time. Yeah. And there are only two groups of people. There are those who receive the mark of the beast and those who don't receive the mark of the beast. And, of course, he draws our attention to those who don't receive the mark of the beast. Those being the 144,000. Have we talked about the 144,000 before? Yes, we have, haven't we? Yes, we've talked about them a few times. A few times now, absolutely. Okay, so just in case you are wondering, uh, many people uh, freak out that the 144,000, well, that number's kind of small. Well, it might be literal. It might be symbolic. There is an easy way to find out. Be one of them and do a head count. Then you'll know the answer. Um, But either which way, it doesn't solve the problem because if it's symbolic, it might be less. I had a Bible teacher who told me a wonderful phrase about the 144,000. He said, live like it is, but pray that it isn't. That's an interesting thought. That's an interesting thought. I, I don't mind that. 
I have an opinion on this, by the way. As, okay. in, as in live like it's literal, but yeah, yeah. Like it isn't a literal number. Yeah, sure. Yeah. What, what's your opinion? What's your opinion, Mark? I'm not sharing it. Oh, you're not sharing it. I will share it. All right. Keep on one secrets. condition. Okay. That you can tell me what difference it makes. Okay. Okay. Mm. All right. You, t- one you tell me what difference okay. it makes, I will tell you my opinion. Okay. What's, what's your opinion? You haven't, you haven't told me what difference, oh, 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 what difference it makes. Yeah, whether it's what? symbolic or literal. Um, well, I guess, you know, something that... that uh, exactly. That, 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 yeah, no yeah, that's right. It makes no difference okay, okay, a reason that people use is that the 144,000, that's a really low number compared to, you know, the... the Two billion Christians in the world, or whatever okay. it is, they're like, okay, so there's only 144,000. That's a lot less than two billion. It's saying all those people who claim to be Christian are lost. Uh, and I, so, so, so that's an argument in favour of it being symbolic. Yes, uh, but if it's symbolic, it could be less than 144,000. Okay, so... So it actually makes no difference. It actually doesn't have any bearing on a person's personal connection with God. That's the point. Yeah, exactly. Because whether it's symbolic or it's literal, you still have to work out your salvation Every single one of us, every single one of us has the possibility of being a part of 144,000. There's nothing stopping anyone here from being a I part of 144,000. None of our listeners. If you're listening today, there is nothing stopping you from being a part of 144,000. Except pe- for, you know, God's will, of course. I think people tend to think, oh, if the number, number is literal, which means there are so few of us going to be in that in that category I have to work extra hard to be extra good to be extra close to God so I can be in that number but they think if it's a symbolic number and therefore there's going to be way more then I can relax a bit because there's more tickets being handed out I think that's the real reason people want to know it's driven by fear but yeah. and which is why it doesn't make a difference because the only way you can be part of that group is exactly the same path yeah but it's, check, it's, check it's it out it's about being surrendered to God it's as simple as that it is a very simple equation this is the thing is that the reason it's scary is yes, there are all these people who claim to be Christians and the 144,000, you know, some people see it as the number of people who are going to be in heaven. Oh, now that's... That, okay, but that's false doctrine. That's false doctrine. Yes, that's, okay. that's the Jehovah's Witnesses right there. We're not yeah. Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay, and why is that false? Okay, because the Bible says there's a great multitude that no man can number. In fact, in Revelation chapter 19, Revelation chapter 19, let's turn over there very quickly. Uh, let me see here. Why don't you read for us Revelation 19 and verse 1. One Revelation 19 verse 1 the Bible says after these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying Alleluia salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God for keep reading uh, that'll do. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's all good. Read, read the whole of chapter 19. It's all good right there, but uh, we won't read it all right now. All right. But here you've got a massive crowd of people. This is not a small crowd of people. 144,000 is a small crowd of people. This is a massive crowd of people. Um, this is a, a, a crowd that in chapter 7 is described as a group which no man can number. And our Jehovah's Witness friends, God bless them, uh, love their dedication, love the fact that they go out there on the doors and uh, they take their their, 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 their their religious experience seriously, but... Uh, they will tell you that only uh, Jehovah's Witnesses get to be a part of the 144,000 and only some Jehovah's Witnesses because obviously there's a lot more JWs than there is uh, 144,000 and so um, as you you know and the Bible says very 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 clearly that we will sit down with Abraham Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven Mm. you know Jesus said that and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were not Jehovah's Witnesses yes they were never a part of you know this is a, this is a very recent church they were not seventh day Adventists either yeah they were worshippers of God mm-hmm. worshippers of Yahweh and uh, that's what we all should be and so yeah we uh, we we reject that because the Bible doesn't teach that 
Okay, sweet. Cool. Well, I think that's where a lot of the anxiety comes from because it's like if everyone just knows that, oh, yeah. Well, because I've actually heard it it preach. I've heard it preach like that. From from people who aren't Jehovah's Witnesses, I've heard people say, "Oh, it's got to only be some- the hundred forty four thousand are going to heaven." No, but yeah, but it's like the hundred forty four thousand and the great multitude are essentially the same thing. Ah, uh, yes, and that's why it has to be symbolic because it look it's a great multitude, and you know everyone's going to heaven and there has to be more than yeah so essentially people are preaching some oh, people okay. preach okay so our number is 1-800-324-843 is Lyle teaching error or is Lyle teaching truth um, feel free to give us a call here this give morning give us a call smash us I, and, I actually uh, love it I love being at my site you know preaching and I'm like look if you think I'm wrong you can come and show me absolutely it's bring so your bible good. anytime Happy to have that discussion. Oh, let's, um, let's and of course, it. you know what our uh, social media is. You can contact us via our social media uh, because we are here in Ethiopia. So that's probably the best way to get in contact with us and send us your very best arguments as to uh, the 144,000. But let's go back to Revelation chapter 15 and verse 3. Hey, the Bible says, They sing the song of Moses, the servant of the Lamb, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works. Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the Saints. Okay, so here we find that the Bible says that they have gained the victory over the beast, over the image, over his mark, over the number of his name, and they sing a specific song. What is that song? The song of Moses. All right, can you sing the song of Moses? Um... Great and marvelous. No, no that's not the song of Moses. That's not the Moses in Exodus chapter 15. It goes something like this. Uh, no, I'm not going to go there. Uh, if I was Lawson, I would sing you the we song need of Moses. your wife in here right now. Yes. Yeah, she, could, she could sing she us could the song of Moses. It's awesome song. Do you, do you, do you, do you know that song? You no. Know, it's a great so, song. Look, I'm not 144,000. Sorry, guys. It's <laughs> not 144,000 uh, compliant yet. Yeah. Okay, uh, Mon, um, do you know the song of Moses? I do not. I've heard oh, your wife really? sing it, but I don't know it. I'm not okay. much of a singer. Actually, just a quick byline. Speaking of singing, at our site two nights ago, the church members just turned to us and be like, we want a special item from you now. <laughs> and I was like, nope. <laughs> and so Varney, my, my preaching buddy, was like, okay. So she got up and she did a rendition of Amazing Grace. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to sing uh, on air or the Song of Moses or anything. <laughs> did, do you ever sing Mon like as in, uh, in a choir or something? In, the, in the car. By in the myself. car, by yourself. In the yeah. shower. No, not in the shower. Oh, in the car. You're missing out. The shower has the, shower the has best, the best, best no, acoustics. Shower is where I do my thinking. Oh, okay. See, I was where I do my preaching, actually. A lot, a lot of my preaching, a lot of my sermon prep. One time... What's I... wrong with you guys? Shower is where I get clean. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, <the> fool. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, so um, we can all... This is, this is my point. We can all sing the song of Moses. Uh, there are probably a few different versions. I don't know. It's in Exodus chapter 15. It's a great song. But let me ask you this question. When we sing the song of Moses, is it the same as when the Israelites sang it? Do we have that same experience? Um, prob- probs not. Let's think about the Israelites for a moment. 
he you've got a group of people. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say no, and I'm going to fight you on this one, Mon. Go on, oh, here we go. Okay. So here you've got a group of people. You've got a massive nation. They have been slaves for 400 years. They have been oppressed beyond imagination. Now, we know from history that people who were slaves uh, back in ancient times had a lifespan of around about 35 if they were doing mm. well. And they were just worked to death. You know, they would start, you know, as a slave uh, when they're like five, six years old and they just set to work and they are working, you know, 17 hours a day. They are starving to death and they would live very short, very hard lives. If they made it to 35, they'd be doing really well. Um, and so you've, you've, got, you've got incredible oppression and then God steps in. And God pours out plagues, seven of those plagues that are poured out exclusively on the Egyptians and have no effect on them whatsoever at all. So they're seeing the power of God you know, on a regular basis. They're seeing the power of God until the point that Pharaoh lets them go. And we're going to talk more about this. But before we do, we have this song. We'll be back in just a moment. This is my day, bread. 
Welcome back, guys. This is the Faith FM coming to you all the way from Ethiopia. And we are in our encounter with God section where we are talking about the Song of Moses because Revelation chapter 15 talks about the Song of Moses. Okay, we were talking about how the uh, Israelites were slaves for 400 mm-hmm. years in Egypt and suddenly God steps in. Yes. And God starts working miracles and they start seeing these miracles and they are still in slavery and Pharaoh is not letting them go. And it looks like Pharaoh is never going to let them go and so God just keeps turning up the pressure and turning it up and turning up and eventually Pharaoh lets them go and for the first time they are free Hmm. but even though they are free they are scared because they know that the greatest military force in the world the greatest army in the world is right there and Pharaoh is upset about what has taken place and so there's always the possibility that he will come after them and then he does Hmm. and when he catches up with them they are blocked in they are in the most um, disadvantageous strategic position that you can imagine. They are not on high ground. They are on low ground. They are between two mountains, mountains on either side. They've got the Red Sea in front of them. They've got the uh, Egyptian army behind them. They are facing annihilation. Mm. Pharaoh is just angry beyond description, and he is on the point of wiping them out where they stand, just killing them where they stand. This is what is about to happen. And then God steps in and God parts the Red Sea and they march across the sea floor to the other side. Mm. And then God lifts the, 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 the cloud that had been blocking them from the Egyptians. The Egyptians see that there's a path in the sea and I don't know what was going through their heads, but they decide that, okay, there's a path through the Red Sea. We'll go across here as well. There's no way if I was an Egyptian, after having seen those ten plagues, in a million years would you get me walking into the sea between a wall, two walls of water. Just wouldn't be happening. But anyway, they go charging into the Red Sea. Uh, the, 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 the sea collapses on top of them. They're all drowned. The Egyptian army is wiped out. Now they're on the other side. They are no longer in Egypt. They have escaped. They're out of there. And not only that, but there is no threat from Egypt because Egypt no longer even has an army. Mm. It's all over. It's all gone. Yeah. And so um, for the first time, they are truly free. And they sing the song of Moses. And that's when they sing the song of Moses. They are on their way yeah, to the what promised an experience. land. That's yes, just that's insane. There is no way that any of us can ever sing that song in the way that they did because that's a song of their experience. Until oh, I don't know, Lyle. I don't know. All right, man. I don't think we can predict the future because <clears throat> we have the the seven last plagues and the, and the time of tribulation, all that stuff happening at the end. If we live through that. I reckon that might be as cataclysmic for us as... It might actually top that one. Yeah. Yeah. And then because we sing it at the end, but we can't sing... But we don't know. I guess my point is we can't sing it in the same way now. Now, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Because we sing the words. Oh, yeah, right now we can't. We have no concept. We can can sing the words, but we can't... They were singing the experience. You know, it reminds me of that uh, that hymn, you know, when, uh, when, uh, um, when we sing Redemption Story, angels fold their wings, for angels never knew the joy that our salvation brings. Mm. 
you know, because they can, they've never experienced it. They've never experienced the converting power of God's grace. Mm. And uh, this is the Song of Moses. This is what it's all about. Okay, so here's something else interesting about the Song of Moses. All right, hit us. Whose song was it? Moses' song? No, it wasn't. Zipporah? No, it wasn't. Uh, Miriam? It was. Yeah. It is the song of a woman. Okay, watch this. Oh, oh, here we go. The song of Moses is the song of a woman. What does a woman symbolize in Bible prophecy? Symbolizes a church. This is the song of a church. Okay. This is God's people at the end of time. God's church at the end of time. All right, so let's 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 look at this a little bit further. God's church has just faced the plagues mm-hmm. and been delivered from the plagues. They have seen seven plagues poured out on Egypt that have not touched them. They have gone through that experience. They have faced annihilation. They have gone through the Red Sea. They are on their way to the promised land, and that's when they sing this song. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what we what have you got here at the end of time? You've got God's church. Mm. God's church sees the seven last plagues poured out. Those plagues do not affect God's church. And then Jesus returns and takes them to the promised land. Mm. And God's church sings the song of Moses, mm. the song of an experience. That is epic. An experience such as no other group has ever experienced ever before. Wow, we're going to learn this song now. Where do you find it? Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know that I've ever actually found it. You'd probably be able to uh, YouTube it. I'm, I'm sure it'll be, uh, everything's on YouTube these days, isn't it? Let's just let's just do a Lawson Walters jazz rendition. Where are the, where are the lyrics? Exodus uh, 15. Exodus 15. And part of it, I think it's in, this is the, I think the last couple of verses are in Second Corinthians chapter like six or something. Wow. Oh, bam, there yeah. you go. Yeah, it's an awesome song. Maybe we can get Lawson to put together uh, a rendition of it and sing it for us tomorrow on the show. <laughs> all right, yeah. all right. I'll try and teach it to you, uh, but I can't hold a tune. So no, nah, it's okay. I'll make my own version. Just YouTube it, like he said. No, nah, it's, it's going to nah, be on there. No, nah, no, nah, it's all good. Paul Shell, we'll producer I'll Shell. No, nah, it's going to be the Lawson Walters jazz rendition. Shell's on a plane. Oh, that's what she is too. Shell's on a plane. Shell's on a plane. Actually, she's not on a plane yet. She'll be on a plane in a few hours' time. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, shout out Shell. Yeah. Stay safe. Happy reunite. Maybe we can maybe we can catch her as she's um, maybe as she's uh, doing her layover in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll catch her there. She can sing the song. Maybe we, we can, can just fly it. there because of our delays. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe Lawson, you're going to be be diverted via LA. The scariest thing is, so they've diverted my like they've they've changed my first flight, but there's no information that I have a connection. So I might just live in Singapore, yeet. Like. <laughs> but There's I'm excited places. that the entire Faith FM, uh, the presenters and all the pit crew will be getting back together soon in the studio back in Newcastle. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's mm. going to be good. It's going to be epic. Who knows what day we're all going to arrive. Yeah, we don't know when we're going to be back in Newcastle. <laughs> in the um, sweet North New South Wales conference office. <laughs> we will meet. <laughs> uh, Lawson, what are we going to do with you? Okay, let's go to uh, Revelation chapter 15 and verse 4. Okay, the Bible says, Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. Okay, so your judgments have been manifested. So the uh, Song of Moses is a song all about the manifestation of God's judgments. Mm. Were God's judgments manifest on the Egyptians? 
Yes. Absolutely they were, and will God's judgments be manifested at the end of time? Yes. And so what you've got here is this contrast. You've got a contrast between those who sing the Song of Moses, those are the ones who the plagues do not affect, the plagues do not touch. Mm. Um, many people ask me, you know, where do we hide when the plagues come? The Bible says, under the shadow of the Almighty. Oh, yeah. There is only one place you can hide Amen. at the end of time, and uh, that's under the shadow. May we all be ready to hide under the shadow of God's mm. protecting grace. We'll be back with question of the day after this song, and then we'll be finishing up the program. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of His glory and grace To Jesus I surrender all To Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him In His presence daily
<laughs> I wish it was a four-wheeler. That would be so much fun. If anyone would like to donate, donate a four-wheeler to Lyle Southwell, just contact us on, you know, our number, 1-800-324-843. Um, but this is a different kind of quad. This is a quad without the A and without the U, but with an O instead. Q-O-D. That kind of quad. Okay. So it's quad time right now. Yes. Which has nothing to do with a four-wheeler, unfortunately. <laughs> but fortunately, it does have something to do with the Word of God, mm-hmm. which is so much more exciting than a four-wheeler. <laughs> yep. Not to downplay four-wheelers. They're pretty exciting. They are awesome. I actually like two-wheelers better. But anyway, yeah, that's a, true. they're safer. Okay, so what's our, qu- what's our quad? Okay, our quad is, is money really the root of all evil? We, we didn't explain what quad stood for, did we? Oh, yeah, you did. You question, question of... of the day. The day. We don't put the T in there. Quad. Did leave the quad. Leave the T out of it. It messes it up. Just just have it as quad. Okay. So is money the root? Is money really the root of all evil? The answer is no. You need to read what the Bible says. You need to read exactly what it says, and you need to read what it doesn't say. Well, how do you do that? I don't know. But anyway, you need to read what the Bible says. First Timothy chapter six and verse ten is where this one is being quoted from, where the Bible simply says, "For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows." Notice here what the Bible says is the root of all evil. It is the love of money, mm-hmm. not money. It is the love of money. And so if you love money, if you live for money, if that's all you are ever after, then yes, that is the root of all evil. This is an interesting one because one of the things that I've found being in ministry and being a, you know, a pastor and evangelist and so forth, at various times people will come to you and they will tell you about their sins. Mm. I don't know why. I have a friend who's a police officer. And uh, people always tell him, like, oh, you know, uh, I know you're a cop, but, but you know, and I, and I have this compulsion to tell him about the things that they have. He's like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know this stuff. Why are you telling me about it? And so over the years, people have confessed various sins to me. Sin is the breaking of the law. The Bible says that. And I've had people confess to me committing all of the sins, having broken all of the Ten Commandments, except for one. There is one commandment that no one has ever come up to me and confessed having broken. Guess which one that might be. Is it, is it, um, is it murder? Nope. It's not oh, murder. okay. Um, is it... Coveting? It is coveting. Oh, there you go. And this leads me to think that maybe this sin is a little bit more of a problem than some of the other ones. Why? Because it is so underrated. Mm. We don't think about coveting as being evil or wrong. But what we find is that coveting leads us down a path of destruction. It leads us to a place where we really don't want to be. It is something that destroys our life. It's one of those things that happens inside of our mind. You know, there's no nothing on the outside that is taking place. And we're like, I can get away with this. This is not a problem. This is not going to hurt me. 
And yet the reality is that if you allow covetousness to stay in your mind, it will grow. That seed will put its roots down and it will grow. And if you covet money, you say, it's just in my mind. You know, I live a good life. I live, you know, I live by the Bible. I live a Christian life. But I love money. I'm just not going to tell anybody about it. And, you know, I'm just going to live a normal life on the outside. Well, sooner or later, it is going to eat you from the inside out. It's going to destroy your Christian experience. It's going to tear you away from God. Anyway, we're going to move on with our show this morning. And our song coming up right now is Happy Man by BJ Thomas. You're listening to Faith FM. i 
Welcome back, guys. That was Happy Man by BJ Thomas here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of the show. And you know the drill. You know what happens. At the end of the show, every day, you need to be ready to give us a call on 1-800-324-843 or to text us on 0491-064-669. You need to have your fingers flexed and ready to go on those buttons because we are ready to give you a gift. Lawson, what is our gift for today? Okay, our gift for today is a book called The Christian Race by Christian A. Daly. And this is um, quite a small book, but still a good book. I've just read the bur- the the blurb on the back. It says, as a chaplain and Christian journalist at a pre- at previous Olympic Games, Christian Daly has seen firsthand the tragedies and triumphs of athletes striving to win. Using a sporting theme and with gripping stories from his own experience, this book provides perfect parallels to your own Christian life. I think this is really cool because we're talking about money. Mm-hmm. We're talking about our striving for money. And this, this book here, The Christian Race, goes over sort of this a similar thing is looking at it from a sports perspective but still it's is what does it look like to to strive mm-hmm. you know we all have this striving for 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 success and for money it's like what does it look like to to strive for christ how can we strive to be better christians how can we have you know have a better um christian experience you know paul says um paul says you know to run the race with faith and um yeah this book is just just going over those themes what does it look like to just be in the best place you can possibly be in your Christian walk. Okay, so rather than coveting money or rather than coveting, you know, somebody else's wife or whatever it might be, the Bible says that we should covet a connection with God. 100%. And this is this is what this book is all about. So, stay with us guys. We're going to be back again tomorrow morning. We love your company here on Faith FM.
Take me somewhere I can be